Hello, hello. This is Kathy Colas Audiobooks, and today we have episode 14 of Bird in Hand by Nikki Stern. Now that there are three murders that appear to be related to the same case, Sam and Terry are pretty sure that they are in serial killer territory. They're wondering if the killings are related to Bird in Hand. Is it possible Wallace Bonnet is the one responsible? Here we go. Sam called a half dozen Talbot County deputies back from vacation. She put four with Gordy to help with a grid search and assigned the others to traffic duty. Over a six hour period, they scoured the Sylvan Crest site. Wear gloves, but don't pick up anything until you've called over CSI Davidson or Detective Gordy, she instructed them. What are we looking for? One of them asked. Cell phones, wallets, pieces of clothing. Pieces of eight, she thought. The crash team leader, a hawk-faced man by the name of Flint, seemed only too glad to share information with the lieutenant. Holiday weekends are extra busy he explained to Sam. Everything's a priority. We're stretched thin and expect to be even more so by end of day. I understand, Sam replied. Look, I know you'll want to get into the labs to do your modeling. If possible, though, could you make a preliminary assessment about where the canister was in relationship to the car when it exploded? You want to know if the canister was adjacent to the car or directly under it when it exploded. Or in it? Flint's dark eyes glittered. We'll do our best. The body had been removed and sent to Baltimore under Martin Lloyd's supervision. An autopsy was scheduled for 10 a.m. Tuesday morning. Sam wished it could have been even sooner. She knew someone, probably Donahue, had pulled strings to get it that fast. He intimated as much when she reported to him. Homicides aren't a regular occurrence around here, Tate, even with the increase in drugs and sex trafficking. We've had three in one month. Can you tell me if they're all related? As soon as we ID the car and the driver, we'll have a better idea. If they are, you'll bring in Weller. Yes, sir. Oops, gotta go. A maroon BMW screeched to a stop by the road. A barrel-chested man with dark blonde hair, light eyes, and thin lips catapulted from the car and called out, Who's in charge here? He did a credible job of ignoring the two deputies who advanced on him. Let him through, Sam ordered. She walked over with her hand outstretched. I'm Lieutenant Sam Tate, criminal commander of Talbot County Sheriff's Department. And you are? Alexei Volkov, project manager for FCP Builders. I got a text at some god-awful hour this morning. Luckily, I wasn't far away. Why is a criminal commander on site? What's the crime? I was told this was an accident. Well, it appears a car was set on fire and made to explode using a propane canister. What? Was anyone hurt? The driver of the car was killed, Sam said. Show me where it happened, Volkov remembered to add. Please. Sam walked him to the wreckage. I can't get you closer. 
We've cordoned off the entire area, but you can see roughly where the car exploded. Has anyone gone down to the site itself? Was anything taken or destroyed? We're going over it now. As far as we can tell, nothing at the main building site was damaged. Volkov exhaled audibly. I thought it might be a nut job associated with the Historical Society. The Eastern Historical Society tried to secure an injunction to stop construction last summer, Gordy explained. The project is at the site of an old plantation. So what? Volkov interjected. It's not like it's a Native American burial ground. I think people would be happy we're covering up some slave owner's house. Besides which, the judge ruled in our favor. Even granted us a restraining order. He started down the embankment. I just need to make sure everything's accounted for. Hold on, Mr. Volkov. Before I have one of my deputies take you through the site, would you check to see if you're missing any propane canisters? You can't believe we're responsible for... Never mind. Volkov strode over to the wire cage and unlocked the padlock. He tested the bindings, counted the containers, replaced the lock, and marched back. None of ours are missing, he reported. I don't know what happened here, Lieutenant, but it doesn't seem to involve us. Now, if you'll allow me to check my site, I can make my report and get back to my family and enjoy what's left of my vacation. He looked from Sam to Gordy. Wait, we can get back to work tomorrow, can't we? I doubt it, Mr. Volkov. This is a crime scene. After you're escorted through the site, you can contact someone from your company. They, in turn, can connect you with their employers, their lawyers, or their insurance agents. They can also call me. Here's my card. Please know I'm truly sorry for the inconvenience. Volkov looked ready to erupt. He managed to control his temper, though it was clearly an effort. Let's make it quick, detective. I have a lot of calls to make. Half an hour later, her phone rang. What are you up to on this lazy Sunday? Terry asked. He sounded rested and rejuvenated, as if he'd had his battery recharged. Terry, where are you? Denver, about to board a plane. I've got a lot to tell you. Oh, Terry, can it wait? I just got slammed with another homicide. Another homicide? Well, fill me in. She summarized her activities over the last few hours as best she could. Could this be related to bird in hand? It was as if he'd thrown cold water on her. The reality was he'd said out loud what she'd been thinking for the past few hours. The car is a Mercedes, like the one Jackie Templeton drove. There, she'd said it aloud. Lots of people in St. Michael's drive luxury cars, Sam. I've sent her three texts. I texted her two assistants as well. Only one of them, Evan Carr, got back to me, and he's clueless as to his boss's whereabouts. Well, if the Vic is JT, it's reasonable to assume her death is tied in with your other two homicides. You'll have to call Weller. We both know you don't want to. Sam laughed despite herself. I might enjoy dumping this on him. Never. Hey, here's a thought. Three murders by one perpetrator gets into serial killer territory. That's our specialty. 
Sam snorted. You think the Maryland State Police is going to invite the FBI to help with the investigation? You've been breathing too much thin air. Okay, we're not popular with the locals. I thought we could help. It would help if I could see you. We'll make that happen, Sam. I promise. We have a lot of catching up to do. Did you see Dr. Putnam? She slapped her head. I literally forgot. I did. And there were some things that she thought represented some kind of breakthrough. Damn, I wish I had time to get into it. That makes two of us. Look, I'm going to try and come over there in the next few days. Let me catch up and I'll make my way to you. The relief that washed over her almost embarrassed her. That would be great. They've announced my flight. I'll call you later. Go catch the bad guys. Terry, wait. But he was gone. Not half an hour later, Shauna called with information on the car. A dark blue Mercedes with custom wheels had been sold by an Annapolis dealer nine months earlier to Jackie Templeton. You're not surprised, Gordy observed when she told him. The business card you handed Tyler Kane? Was it JT's? It was. I wanted to be sure the lab had a sample. Damn, Jackie Templeton. Sam took no pleasure from the accuracy of her gut instinct. It meant she had three bodies most likely tied together. The unanswered question, was Wallace Bonnet responsible for all three deaths? She couldn't square the crimes with the man she met. Sam assumed the Maryland State Police would also be able to trace the car. They might take longer. Shauna tended to work in the margins, but they would make the ID soon enough, which meant Weller would know. She continued to hold off contacting him. She reasoned there wasn't much he could do anyway. She was just being considerate, she told herself. She called off the search at four, just as the light began to fail. She had the area cordoned off. She spoke with Flint as well as her own people and went over what had been accomplished and what they might expect to do. You'll have help, she promised. She posted two deputies to watch the site overnight. Then she called Weller. Killer seems to have a thing for extravagant murders, he said. Nothing subtle or straightforward about the M.O. Fidget was strangled and his hands burned, which wasn't exactly necessary. Fox was smacked over the head and set on fire. Miss Templeton seems to have been treated to fire and an explosion. If you want to meet now, I can give you my notes. Go home, Tate. You sound beat. How about I meet you at your office in Easton tomorrow morning? 8 a.m.? I'll bring Pollock and Kane. You can walk me through what you've got and walk me around the site. I'm sure you have other ideas as well. Okay. Sam, Weller cleared his throat. We'll nail the bastard. We'd better. She stopped in St. Michael's for takeout Chinese and drove home cloaked in a miasma of exhaustion, anger, and fear. Not for herself, but for the victim someone was willing to put down. Why? To find an old carving? To keep it hidden? 
or was there another motive entirely? Her cottage glowed like a lantern in the dark. Had she left all those lights on twelve hours earlier? No, something was off. She reached into the cruiser's glove compartment and slid out her revolver. She wasn't sure if she felt frightened at the idea of an intruder or irritated that she had to deal with yet another unwanted visitor. The odor hit her as she crept up to the porch and brought her up short. Not repulsive, but enticing. Not unusual, but familiar. A smell that brought back happy memories. The smell of pasta sauce. She threw open the door, gun raised. She noticed the travel bag first, tucked under the side table at the entrance. Then she took in the back of a familiar figure at the stove, who turned around and widened his amber eyes in mock fear. Well, ho! <laughs> Don't shoot the cook, please. At least not until you've had dinner. Terry! Sam managed to flip on the safety and set the weapon down before she flung herself at Terry. He let go of the spoon he was using as she buried her face in his chest. He hugged her to him. They stood that way for several blissful seconds. Hungry? He asked when they'd broken apart. I've got the wine open. Bread and olive oil are already on the table. The pasta won't take long. Sorry I couldn't get fresh greens, but canned goods have come a long way. Sam poured herself a generous glass of wine. Where did you get all this? How did you get here? Is that basil I smell? Hold on, Lieutenant. I promise to answer all your questions. After I got off the phone with you, I changed my flight, so I'd come into Baltimore instead of D.C., I raced through an overpriced food boutique in the airport, barely made it, flashed my badge and carried the extra bag on for free. I'm shameless that way. As for getting here, Uber from BWI Airport. I'd like to take credit for making the sauce from scratch, but I just warmed it up. Are we good? Are you kidding? I'm falling in love with you all over again. They sat down to a dinner of tagliatelle with artichokes and a tomato basil sauce, accompanied by two bottles of wine and a plate of chocolate bonbons. Sam felt some of the tension slip away. You are a miracle worker, she said, as Terry cleared away the plates. So I've been told. What's on tap for you tomorrow? Detective work. We try to trace J.T.'s movements from the time she left St. Michael's on Wednesday night to the time she apparently returned. Once we secure our warrants, we'll poke around both physically and digitally. The autopsy is Tuesday, she added. Anything new on Wallace Bonnet? He's a ghost. I just can't see him for the murders, Terry. Maybe because they were so brutal. Any other ideas? Not right now. Why don't you tell me what happened on this so-called field trip you took? He filled his glass and hers and told her what he'd heard from the former Win O'Brien. He held her hand as she shared with him the breakthrough she'd had with Dr. Putnam. I still can't get this through my head, Terry. Did my mother have an affair with the man in the brown suit? Don't go there, Sam. 
Let's start with the idea that she was acquainted with him, maybe had information on him no one else did. He might have been a dangerous man who frightened her. I can't figure out why he showed up at her son's wedding, though. Is he still in Queens? Sells didn't seem to know. Sam put a hand to her head. Terry, this is a lot to digest, and I've had a long day. Can we go to bed? Absolutely. Get ready. I'll clean up and join you. He finished up in the kitchen and went to find Sam. She lay on her back, fully dressed, except for her shoes, and so still he felt compelled to check for a pulse. Gently, he changed her into her favorite sleep shirt, a flannel number that made her look young and almost vulnerable. Then he undressed and slipped into bed beside her. Love you, Sam Tate, he whispered, and thought he saw her smile in the dark. Sam awoke from a dreamless sleep to find a dent in the bed, still warm. She rolled over and breathed in for all she was worth, trying to hold on to the scent of her lover. In the kitchen, she found fresh coffee and a note that said, Try not to worry. Whatever's going on, you'll get to the bottom of it. She'd suggested an early meeting for the core group, Weller's three and her four. McCready brought donuts, one of which she eagerly devoured with a third cup of coffee. For the first time, she noted a sense of cooperation born of urgency. There was no time for posturing or political infighting. Three people had died violently, probably at the hand of someone who was obsessed, ruthless, or both. Everyone in the room was committed to figuring out why and to stop more deaths. The problem was, they were working with incomplete information. Weller had long since conceded that drugs didn't factor into the death of Charles Fox. Both the appraiser and J.T. had shown an interest in bird in hand, although possibly for different reasons. I'm still not sure about motive, Sarah Pollock said. I get why the bird mattered to someone like Arlie Fitchett. It was his holy grail. He lived to hunt it down. Charles Fox? Maybe prestige, maybe money. The letters all by themselves would be attractive to some museum or private collector. But how do those two connect with Templeton or Bonnet, for that matter? What's this old carving worth in today's market? A sapphire eye would add value, Gordy suggested. I got the impression that Jackie Templeton didn't believe in the existence of the original. But maybe she was playing us. Maybe she really was trying to get her hands on it. The only person who wouldn't want it found would be Bonnet, because he'd look like nothing more than someone who carves imitations of the real thing. Is Wallace Bonnet still our prime suspect? McCready asked. Until we come up with a better candidate, Weller said. Lieutenant, thoughts? Sam hadn't spoken during the meeting. Fatigue? Yes but something else kept her from contributing. Something that nagged her. Didn't MSP upgrade the APB on Bonnet? She asked. Over the father's vigorous objections, Wella replied. He was on a popular DC talk show this morning, 
to complain that law enforcement was targeting his son without proof. He demanded to know why we believe Junior was a killer and not a victim. What if he is a victim? Carol Davidson asked. The room fell silent. Sam cleared her throat. Seems to me plenty of agencies are looking for Wallace Bonnet. Last I checked, his name was on an Interpol list. If he's findable, he will be found. She swallowed. Right now, we need to determine what happened to Jackie Templeton. We've identified the car as hers, and once we've established that the victim is... She stopped to grab the image that skittered across her mind and made a note on the pad she kept with her. Lieutenant? Weller prompted. Sorry, we need to know who else was in the car. So far, no one's been able to lift prints or DNA from the passenger side. If we figure that out, won't we know who the killer is? McCready asked. That might narrow things down, Sam conceded. But before we go down that rabbit hole, let's trace Jackie Templeton's whereabouts over the previous four days. What did she do? Who did she see? Gordy, you've got solid contacts inside the D.C. Police Department. Let's have you head over there with Detective Pollock. She swiveled in her chair. Detective Sergeant Weller and I need to walk the site with Carol and go through J.T.'s places in St. Michael's. Tyler, any information you can get in the way of lab reports will be helpful. Pat, I need you to secure warrants for phone and bank records for Ms. Templeton's personal and business accounts going back at least six months. Maybe your helpful judge here can give us a leg up in D.C.? She stopped, aware she'd been issuing commands as if she still ran the investigation. She'd overstepped and everyone in the room knew it. To her surprise, Weller nodded. Sounds like a plan, he said. Sam walked out with Weller into a weak morning sun, doing its best to chase off the lingering mist. The temperature had climbed to the mid-forties, and the breeze was relatively calm. A perfect day to bag evidence and find a killer. At the Sylvan Crest site, several troopers from the crash team were back to photograph the still-smoldering car and take more measurements. Per Sam's instructions, two new Talbot County deputies had replaced the pair of overnighters. Weller caught sight of Josh Abrams and waved over the arson investigator. Abrams responded with his own hand in the air. More gesticulating followed, accompanied, no doubt, by instructions to his team members, before he loped over to join the new group. Morning, folks. Seems your killer likes to send his victims out in a blaze of glory, he quipped. He looked chagrined when neither of them smiled. Sorry. Arson humor is second nature. Anything to tell us? Weller asked. I just got here this morning. Not sure how much you already knew, but the crash team found a scrap from the propane cylinder that doesn't match the brand stored here. So, something brought in, Weller said. Right. We're also thinking the canister was inside the car, either in the back seat or the trunk. I'm going with the trunk, given the pattern of the damage to the back of the car. Absolutely unnecessary if the goal was to murder the person in the vehicle. And if the point was to destroy evidence, it's poorly conceived. 
You might say it was overkill. <laughs> he grimaced. Ah, oh, damn, force of habit. Anyway, I reviewed the forensic investigator's preliminary report. He's a pretty thorough guy, isn't he? Yes, he is, Carol responded with a small smile. It's pretty stunning the body didn't end up in little pieces. Guess that'll give the M.E. something to work with in determining cause of death and time of death. He shook his head. So many ways to kill someone. Why go for the dramatic gesture? Statement killing, Weller said. Someone with a thing for burning people. Sam felt the familiar sensation of an unformed idea fighting to rise to the surface. She told herself it would come if she didn't force it. Who taught her that? Terry, of course. The man had the instincts and the temperament to be a professional profiler. Why do you think the murder happened here? She asked aloud. Convenience, Weller said. Templeton lived just up the road. The killer might think we'd be misled by the propane canisters on site. It could be a different kind of statement, Carol said. Someone who objected to the project? Sam folded her arms across her chest. We need to find out if JT had any dealings with these developers. She looked down the embankment, then looked back at Abrams. Could the killer have meant for the car to roll down the hill and explode on the site itself? She asked. Maybe he didn't see the concrete barrier. Why not just park the car down there and light it up? Easier to get away from up here, Carol noted, especially if he had a ride or a second car parked somewhere else. You do realize you've just come up with another possible motive for this death that has nothing to do with the treasure hunt. Weller said to Sam. I know, but we need to consider the possibility. She texted a quick set of instructions to Shanna Pierce and sent a text to McCready to remind him to push for the warrants. McCready responded promptly. I already have what you need. Where should I fax it? To JT's. We'll be there in half an hour. And there you have it. Don't forget, on Wednesday, we start They Came From Up by Richard Duvall. Sci-fi, horror, what could be better? Make sure you tune in for that. As always, if you like the podcast, please leave a review. Let me know. Share it on social media. Let your friends know. Tell your neighbors. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you on Wednesday.